Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Dan Roth. Amen. Today, as you're having a seat, get your Bibles out. And uh, I've got quite a potent title for you guys, and hopefully uh, this shocks your system and gets you interested in what we're talking about. Tonight, I want to talk to you about what Christians can do about racism. Sometimes we take a look at a subject like this, and especially when there's been so much said in the months prior and that sort of a thing, and some of you guys might be saying, well, Pastor Dan, you're a bit late to be preaching this message. How many of you know it's never too late to get what God's heart is about a subject? And the Bible says that fools speak, but the wise will stay silent and consider and listen. And I took that to heart as a young man, as, as I gave my heart to the Lord at an early age. One of the things that I did was I devoured the Word of God, and I heard that you could read the book of Proverbs in 30 days, right? 31 days, really. Uh, and so in one month, you could be through it. And so I took that to heart, and I did a, a chapter a day. And as I went through that, every time I would pray, I realized that God was urging me to get a hold of His wisdom. And so I would always ask God for His wisdom, and I found out that the wise listen, that the wise consider, and that the wise come to conclusions based on the word of God and not based on the flesh. And so the reason why this message may be coming a little bit later than some would say that it needed to come, and if you were listening in any of the church services, you would realize that we had a lot to say about this subject and other messages as it was, uh, you know, it, a lot of what our comments were about. But this, this entire message is one that if I'm going to deliver it, I had to think about it. I had to take time with it. I had to study the word out, and I had to let it ruminate on the inside of me and become the message that it is because I wanted it to be complete, and I wanted it to be something that you could easily understand and that there would be great takeaways with it. What I've seen in the world when it comes to racial reconciliation is that they're very limited in their capacity to produce any real change. Three ways that people are pushing these days to make change are these, simply conversations, education, and legislation. Let me repeat those three things. Conversations, education, and legislation. Now, don't get me wrong. These things are not bad. These things are actually very good. But they're just a small part of the total solution when it comes to what Christians can do, right? Uh, now, the world, the world can't do what we can do. We only can do what we can do. Are you listening? So for the world, this is the totality of what they're saying. It's conversations, education, and legislation. But for Christians, there's so much more that we can do and so much more that we can be a part of in these areas. Now, conversations will help because we get a different perspective than our own. It is good to go and to talk to somebody who doesn't think like you, who doesn't look like you, who doesn't act like you, who doesn't have the same background that you do. It's good to get a little perspective and get outside of yourself and hear how somebody feels and hear how somebody's been treated and hear what's going on in their lives. It's good to go out and get that perspective. But many times these conversations can become one-sided and people won't reach the right conclusion. I've heard it too many times, just shut up and listen. To me, that's not a conversation. To me, that's foolish. Conversation is asking questions, it's dialogue, it's, it's listening, and it's the intent to understand and to come together to a godly conclusion. See, the goal of our conversation should not be to win someone to our way of thinking, but rather to arrive at God's way of thinking. 
Secondly, education. Education helps because we may not know what's happening when it comes to injustices on the earth. Part of what uh, I love to do with my family is we love to sit and, and watch a good movie. We love to sit and read a good book, that sort of a thing. And, and, you know, even though we may not be in school anymore, we continue to educate ourselves on things that are going on. We look at news articles and those sorts of things from time to time. I don't do that too much because it can get depressing and you can only get one side of the story once again. But we do educate ourselves and we do look into things and before we post, before we tweet, before we uh, do any sort of thing like that, before we even speak, we will oftentimes get uh, educated on what it is that's going on, the current events, but as well things that are happening. One of the, the great movies that I would suggest that uh, everybody encourage everybody to watch was one that came out called Just Mercy recently, talking about the, the high court in, in the uh, state of Alabama and how there were men on death row for crimes they didn't commit, and how unjust that was. We were enraged, we were shocked, and when I looked at the timeline and the dates that it happened, I said, oh my goodness, my, you know, we're kind of in a bubble in California. I know that there's racism here, and I know that there is plenty of discrimination and injustice here in California, but at the same time, I'm going, my goodness, I thought we had come farther than that. I thought that we were, we were further on, and I know a lot of people that I've talked to in recent months have thought the same things until they started to get educated about what was currently going on, and they realized, man, we've still got a long way to go. And the problem is, is that there are many educated racists out there promoting wrong conduct. Now, this sermon may not be popular and may not get all the likes and all the shares and all that kind of stuff, but it's the truth. There are many educated racists who are guiding and promoting wrong conduct. And we are educated in many things that we never operate in. Third one is this, legislation. And legislation will help because it can make practices that promote racism illegal. But legislation can only cause behavior modification, but it will never cause a heart transformation. And as long as sinful man is living in a fallen world with a rogue devil attacking us, we will always have racism and racists. And if we allow the world to handle these issues, we will fall short of any lasting and real change. We need as Christians to do something about this. And so tonight, I'm going to give you four things. I'm going to attempt to give you all of them tonight. If we go long, I'll just give you two or three of them, and then we'll come back to this next time we're together on this subject. But I'm going to try and give you all of this tonight. What Christians can do about racism. Remember I said we can do these things, conversations and education and legislation. That's all good. We should be a part of that. Absolutely, we should be a part of the conversation. We should get educated. We should promote legislation and and. and if that means, uh, you know, signing a petition, for some that might mean a, a peaceful protest, for some that might mean talking to your state senator or assembly member or your mayor or whoever that is that you can get a hold of and get that in place. I think we should do all of that. But what can we do specifically that only we can do? What can Christians do about racism? Number one thing is this. The number one thing is this, and I wanted to lead with this one because this one is very important. First thing that we can do about racism is pray. I'm glad I heard some woot woots. I'm glad I heard some claps and some shouts. Because when I have said this over the past few months, I have had people angry and in my face. I've had people post hate online when I said we need to pray as Christians. Well, Christians, all you guys do is pray. You guys don't do nothing. You're just sitting there praying. We don't need more prayer. We need more action. Um, I'm sorry. But you call yourself a Christian? That's not the 
Christian conduct that I believe in because it, real Christians know the power of prayer. It was a prayer that you prayed that got you to enter into the kingdom of God. It was a prayer that you can pray the prayer of faith that can heal a sick body. Tell me what man can heal a sick body instantly. No one. No one. It's a prayer that can cause a miracle to take place. It is a prayer that can bring God on the scene. Heaven does not activate until Christians start to pray. And if you devalue the power of your prayers, then you are lost and hopeless in this world, and I pity you. It's not that we need less praying and need more action. The problem is that acting without praying is to act without the plan, to act without the heart, to act without the timing, to act without the power, and to act without the approval of God Almighty. You can go out and do whatever you want or whatever someone else thinks is the right thing to do, and you will miss out on God if you haven't prayed. Amen. What if God didn't tell you to march? What if God didn't tell you to post? What if God didn't tell you to speak up? What if God wanted you to take another course of action and you didn't pray and you went with the crowd and you ended up doing something that God didn't want you to do? A.J. Gordon said you can do more than pray after you've prayed, but you can never do more than pray until you have prayed. Max Lucado, famous author, says when we work, we work, but when we pray, God works. I think that's very good. R.A. Torrey writes, and he says we are too busy to pray, and so we're too busy to have power. We have a great deal of activity, but we accomplish little. Much machinery but few results. You want to know why we haven't got that much traction on this thing is because Christians aren't praying. They're speaking, they're talking, they're posting, they're saying everything, they're having conversations, but they're not praying. They're not having a conversation with God. They're not listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And if you're trying to fight a spiritual battle with natural means, you will get whipped every time. The devil doesn't fight on the plane of the natural. The devil fights on the plane of the spiritual. And the spiritual is higher than the natural and will affect things in the natural. Very familiar verses, Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12 in the New King James Version. I'm going to be reading. Uh, I'll note if it's another version tonight, but most of what we're reading from is the New King James Version. Look at what it says in Ephesians, the New Testament, chapter number 6, verse number 12. This should be a reminder for you guys, or maybe you're just learning this, and that's okay too. We need to get into the Word of God and understand the power of our prayer and the spiritual reality of the battle that we face. Look what it says in verse number 12. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Where in there did you see a black man and a white man? Where in there did you see a Mexican and an Asian? Where in there did you see a Jew and anybody else? It's not in there. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Your battle is not against the man. Your battle is not against that man, this man, the white man, the black man. Your battle is not against the politician man. Your battle is against a spiritual host of wickedness. Don't be deceived, church. There is a spiritual authority in the earth realm. Bible says in the heavens, that's the, the power of the air, Right? Things that we don't see behind the scenes. The devil is swaying activities on the earth. 
Men and women don't even realize that they're being used as pawns of the devil to incite things like rioting, looting, murder, racism, prejudice, bigotry. All these things are being moved because people don't even realize that thoughts and hints and suggestions are being thrown at them constantly by the devil. And for us Christians, we should wisen up and realize that our fight is not against the people. It's not against these men and women. It's not against the foolishness of man or the ideas of man. No, that there is a devil who is alive and well on the earth. And if we don't pray and we don't fight the fight on the spiritual plane, we're going to lose the battle. Drop down from verse number 12 into verse number 18. Look at what it says. He, he tells them how to fight this fight, and he tells them about their spiritual armor. And then in verse number 18, he continues on straight off the armor. Look what he says. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. Where? In the Spirit, capital S, the Spirit of God. With, look at what he says. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. We need to pray. For Christians, we need to pray always with all prayer, all different kinds of prayer, warfare prayers and petition prayers and thanksgiving prayers and song prayers and heart prayers and prayers in tongues and prayers in our language, right? We need to pray with every kind of prayer. Every weapon that you have at your disposal, you should be using it in prayer. And rather than lash out and speak out from the flesh, let's pray in the Spirit. Samuel Chadwick said the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. Come on, somebody. We need to pray. Like the right Rev. MC Hammer said, just to make it today. Can anybody say amen to that? Amen. Second thing is this. Second thing is this. What can Christians do? about racism. Second thing is this, is we can live our faith. Now, I could use the faith in this terms of the general faith, right, to live the Christian faith, and yet I do believe that there are some people who are cultural Christians who are not real Christians who have tarnished the faith because they're out there living a different life and there's hypocrisy. The Apostle Paul warned of this, and he said, savage wolves will rise up from among you, not sparing the flock. Not everybody who goes to church is a Christian. So when I say live our faith, I'm not talking about the faith as in the general broad Christian faith, even though I am in the true and pure sense. Let me bring it home a little bit more. I would suggest that we think of this as living our faith, taking it beyond the superficial to our personal faith. That whatever we have read from the scriptures, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? Whatever we've read in the scriptures and whatever we believe about God, about his character, about his nature, about his attributes, if we truly believe in who God is and in what God says, then we live that out in our everyday lives. And if you live according to this word, if you live according to the Bible, if you live according to the character of God, you will not be a racist. What can we do about racism? How about live your faith? What you see from the word of God. Ephesians chapter 5, if you want to back up just one chapter, verse number 15 through verse number 17. I'm going to read this to you in the New Living Translation, but you can follow along in whatever translation or paraphrase that you have. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 17 in the New Living Translation says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. 
Verse 16. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't you know that these days are evil? Evil meaning contrary to the ways of God. These days we live in are evil. So we don't need to be fools. We need to be wise. And wisdom comes from the fear of the Lord, and it comes from the word of the Lord. Verse 17, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Other translations say understand what the will of the Lord is. That's why we need to pray. That's why we need to study the word. That's why we need to know what we believe and why we believe it. That's why we need to know who our God is so that we can look like our God. He is our Father, and we need to act like him. For some people... When they understand what the will of the Lord is, they will be like a William Wilberforce who abolished slavery in England and all of its colonies. Some people will be like the Harriet Tubman who goes and who frees slaves at her own peril. Some people will be like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who goes from pulpits to podiums to protests. Some people are called to that, but not all people are called to that. You need to know what God has called you to do. I know that's not popular with some people because some people want all everybody to all do the same thing, but God has called us individually as parts in a body. Not everybody's a hand, not everybody's a foot, not everybody's an eye, not everybody's a mouth, not everybody's an ear. We are all called to something, and then some of us are called to those specific areas to do those things. Others are called to other things, to support, to encourage, to, to do different things behind the scenes. But can I give you something that all of us are called to live by? Is that Okay. Because remember, if we're going to live our faith, then there are some things that our faith should dictate to us of how we live. And one that we are all called to is to live a life of love. Jesus said to love your neighbor as yourself. Especially here in Southern California, in San Bernardino, I would venture to think that most of you guys have neighbors that do not look like you do in the natural, in the flesh. I know I don't. I know that you, most likely, all of you, and even those of you online, with the diversity in our area, we probably don't look like a monochromatic people. There are many colors around us, many languages around us. This is a melting pot. My goodness, there's people from every tribe, every nation, every language, every tongue. This church is a picture of our city. There are people that when I greet them at the back door on a Sunday morning, my goodness, the, the accents that come out of this place. And many times when we've been able to greet people who are here for the first time, where are you from? Where is that wonderful, beautiful accent from? I need to know. And they're from Africa. They're from Asia. They're from Australia. They're from South America. They're from all over. And so we need to love our neighbor. The people that we come into contact with. Remember, Jesus, he, he didn't say just the people that live next door to you. People that you come in contact with, that's who your neighbor is. Who's my neighbor? Everybody, right? And so we need to love people that don't look like us, that don't think like us, that don't act like us. We need to live a life of love. Jesus said that they will know you by your love. They'll know you're my disciples when you live a life of love like I do. First John chapter 4, verse number 20, I want you to turn there with me in your Bible, towards the end of your Bible before you hit Revelation. You'll find Jude, and then you'll find 3rd and 2nd John. Back up to 1st John, chapter number 4. First John, chapter number 4. Everybody doing okay? Just making sure you're all still good, all right? Are you guys doing okay online? Just put the okay, thumbs up, whatever you need to do in the comments section, because I can't hear you even if you shout real loud. 1st John, chapter 4, I want to take a look at verse number 20 and verse number 21 in the New King James Version. 1st John... Chapter 4, verse 20, and verse number 21. Take a look at it together with me. It says this. It says, if someone says, I love God, there's 
some of that cultural Christianity, isn't there? If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. Don't you just love the Bible? Sometimes people think, oh, Bible Christians, you guys are pansies. You guys are just weak. That's a crutch. No, it's not. Man, this will knock you off your crutches. This will knock you out of your britches if you're not careful. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Remember, we're made in the image of God. If you hate your brother, you're hating on the image of your father. And you're a liar, according to what the Bible says. Verse 21, in this commandment we have from him. Notice the capital H. This is from God. This is from Jesus. That he who loves God must love his brother also. If you love God and you hate your brother, then it's time to put away the lie. It's time to just bring it to God in prayer, back to number one, and say, God, I'm not living like I should be. Help me to lay down this hatred for my brother. And God, would you give me the love that Jesus Christ has for others? Help me to live like you live. Help me to love like you love. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said this. He said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Living our faith also means something else. It means calling things as God sees them and not as man sees them. It means call a spade a spade, all right, if I can put it to you in modern-day terminology. Call it what it is. If something is wrong, say that's wrong. If something's right, say that's right. Call things as God sees them and as God says them. The problem is we've got a whole lot of political correctness in our society, and Christians have bought into this, and we're afraid to say that's wrong, or that's sin, or that ain't right, or I agree with what they're trying to do, but I don't agree with how they're doing it. And people are afraid to say anything because there's this online shaming thing that's going on, and you're afraid of people that you don't even know and that you don't even see, and people that would never say those things to your faith, to your face. You know what that is? That's cowardice. And we become cowards when we're afraid of people who will speak up online but never speak those things to our face. The problem is, is that these cowards are starting to get bolder and braver. And they're getting brash. And the young ones without much experience and wisdom are starting to act out. And they need people like you and me to call things like they are. Our Government, the people that represent us in our land need to hear that we think wrong things are wrong so that they don't continue to do wrong things and call it right and think that we're okay with it. That's why we vote. That's why we petition. That's why we do those things. But also, it will culturally impact the people around us. See, you, you, you think the culture should be causing the church to act a certain way? No, Right? Church should be impacting culture. How do we do that? Let's be bold with our faith. Let's live our faith. Let's live a life of love. And let's call good, good, and evil, evil. Isaiah 5, chapter 20. I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 20. In the New King James Version, Isaiah calls out, and he calls out a woe, and he says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. A woe is like, oh, woe is me, right? It's bad. It's not something that you want. So he says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet 
for bitter. See, when we say that something contrary to the way of God is good, we are in error and should be aware that bad will come of it. That means that when a peaceful protest, let me give you some real world examples here, when a peaceful protest becomes violent and we say, oh, that's okay, because the cause is greater than the offense, we are in error. That's wrong. To kill somebody and take their life for your cause where you're trying not to get killed and have your life taken, that's hypocrisy. Let's call a spade a spade. Let's call good good and evil evil. Peaceful protests are okay. They are good. And in American uh, society, we can do that. We have the freedom to do that. But when people start looting, start murdering, that's wrong. When people say they got what they deserve, it's wrong. What if God dealt with all of us how we deserve? We'd all be in hell. God doesn't deal with us how we deserve. And so for us to take that place is to take the place of God. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You may get used, abused, hated. There may be prejudice against you. Now listen, I'm not telling you blindly to just get over it. I understand that that hurts, and I know the pain of that as well. I don't know it to the level that many people are experiencing it in our land or that many of you who are listening to this message or will listen to this message in the replays have felt it and understood it. But I can relate and I understand that it is painful and I'm not diminishing that one bit. But here's what I am encouraging with is that God sees God knows Jesus was rejected by man. He was a man of sorrows. The very people he came to save hated him and murdered him by hanging him on a tree. And if he can go through that for us, then we can love our neighbor. We can call good good. We can call evil evil. And we can suffer a wrong unjustly because we know that at the end of it all, the Lord himself will repay. God is not unjust to forget. God sees, God knows, and those that have done those things will be dealt with by God himself. Either it will be dealt with on the cross by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ or it will be dealt with their eternity and eternal punishment in hell. Either way, God is good and God is just. Third thing, I think I'm gonna make it tonight. Third thing for all of us is this. Third thing that we can do as Christians is we can train our children. We can train our children. Too long we've let Television, education systems, video games, their friends train our children how they should think and how they should act. I've heard a lot of mothers come to us crying and say, Pastor, my son is on drugs because that's just what kids do these days and I can't stop him. I've had parents tell me, well, you know, this is how they live and so they're living in my house with their Significant other, they're not married yet, but that's just how the kids do these days, and what can I do about it? How about stand up and be a parent? It's not popular. Kids aren't going to like it. But which one of us liked it when our parents disciplined us? Not a one of us, right? I didn't like the belt. I didn't like groundation. I didn't like going out and doing yard work or having to go to my neighbor's house and tell them that I broke something of theirs while they were gone. I didn't like any of that stuff. But you know what it did? It built character in me, godly character, good character. And now I'm grateful for it. Even though I didn't like it, I'm thankful for it. In the same way, parents, if we can train our children 
then we will have a better outcome in the future. Racism is a learned behavior. Where are they learning it from? From their parents. Most of the time, our children learn things from us. They're going to watch how you act. They're going to watch how you live. And then they're going to do what you do. Because monkey see, monkey do. Thank you for finishing that. And training our children in the way of the Lord ensures that we have a lasting effect on the future. When they live according to God's principles, we will see racism on the decline because it will become a part of the fabric of our future society. But it starts with us living our faith, living a life of love, calling good good and evil evil, and then training our children. That when they see something that is racist, we don't turn the other way and ignore it. No, we pull our children aside and we say, that's not how we act in our house. It's that simple. When they come home with a racist attitude that we sit them down and we train them, that's wrong. We're not going to do that. And more specifically, you're not going to do that. Because that behavior is unacceptable. And I will not tolerate it in this house. This is the Lord's house. And we're going to walk in the will and the way of God. Genesis chapter 18, verse number 19 in the Webster translation God is speaking about Abraham, and he trusts Abraham. Why does God trust Abraham? Genesis chapter 18, verse number 19. For I know him. God knows Abraham. What does he know about him? That he will command his children and his household after him, and they will keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him, that he will be blessed and he will be a blessing and all the nations of the earth in him will be blessed. What is that blessing? That future blessing was the blessing of the Messiah coming out of his seed and that the Messiah would bring all nations, all races, all nationalities, every tribe, every tongue, every people of every kindred coming together in one, no longer Jew and Gentile, insiders and outsiders, no more separation. The middle wall has been broken down in Christ Jesus, and he's brought the two together in one. That is the blessing of Abraham. Why did he get that blessing? Because he would teach his children and his household after him to do what? To do the will and the way of the Lord, to do justice and judgment. There's been a lot of talk about justice and there's going to be a lot more, mark my words, because there are events that are pending. Things are being released. Information is coming out, and there's going to be judgments that come out, and we need to keep our minds on God's word through those times and through those seasons and not speak what the world is speaking. No, we need to speak what God is speaking, his judgments and his justice. See, the seeds that we sow in our children today will bear fruit in the future for generations to come. If you want to do something about racism, start training your children. Last one for us tonight is this. Last one and probably the most effective one of them all. Right alongside prayer. Right alongside living our faith, training our children is this. What can we do about racism, church, Christians? What can we do? We can spread the gospel. Now, I didn't know this, but I have to define what the gospel is. Because some people think that the gospel is limited, that the gospel is only that Jesus died for my sins. But then some people get messed up because Jesus preached the gospel before he went to the cross. 
And they don't understand that gospel means good news. Do you know that the Bible is filled with good news? This is good news, guys. And the good news is, is that Jesus died for all of us. Jesus died for our sins. That Jesus went to the cross and he died and he took the wrath of God and the punishment for our sins, including prejudice, racism, bigotry, including being stiff-necked, hard-headed, including walking in the way of our fathers and our mothers and those who have gone before us that have been wrong, including in the wrongs that we've done for others and lying on others and speaking out when we should have been silent, doing things the wrong way and getting involved in the group think and going the way of the world and all the things that we'd ever done that were wrong. Jesus took the punishment for those things on the cross. And the good news is, is that we don't have to pay that price any longer. He already paid it for us. That if we will look to that cross and receive his salvation, that the wrath of God now has passed over us because Jesus was our Passover lamb. He took the punishment upon himself so that we could now become the sons and daughters of the living God. And when you lay down your life that you can be born again and raised up again together with him, that is good news. But guess what else is good news? The good news is, is that when you are born again, you are no longer born white, black, brown or any other color now you are born a new creation in Christ not in the flesh but in your spirit your spirit man is a new creation in Christ the Bible says and now you no longer have that old worldly DNA no now you've got the spiritual DNA of God and now you're my brother you're my sister you are family with me now we've all been brought together there's only one race now and it's the human race we're all bound together by blood one blood the blood of Jesus and things no longer that's good news guys and the church has the answer and it's not a time for us to stay silent. This is a time for us to shout it from the mountaintops that Jesus is alive. And because he's alive, because he died, we no longer have to be separated by race and culture and education and socioeconomic status. No, now we can be brought together in him. That's good news. We need to spread the gospel, because it was the gospel that stopped the prejudice of the Jews against the Samaritans and against the Gentiles. It was the gospel that allowed Corey Ten Boom to forgive the Nazi guard who had abused her and her sister at the concentration camp where her sister had died, and later she would receive him as a brother in Christ. It was the gospel that stopped the tribes of the Sawi people in New Guinea who were cannibal, cannibals and murderous headhunters from continuing their wars. It was the gospel that brought them together in peace. And if we're going to do something about racism, we need to do the work of spreading the good news. Jesus died for our sins. This message alone has the power to save and the power to make all things new. You remember Philip, when he went to Samaria, he preached a one-word sermon. He preached Christ to them, and it turned the city completely inside out. People were getting saved. People were getting baptized. People were getting freed. Miracles were happening. Demons coming out with a shout. People got healed and raised up, all because he preached Christ. When you preach the good news, supernatural, miraculous things take place. The heart of the staunchest, racist, KKK member or Black Panther member or whatever is in between, right? Whatever uh, racist ideology that they buy into, those things that they've gotten into. Listen, one word of the gospel can change a heart like that and take them out of that and bring them into the kingdom of God. It has the power that we need. 
Love in the book of Galatians chapter number two, the apostle Paul is talking about how he has now come in and preached the gospel to the Galatians, but something happened. People came in and bewitched them, brought them back to something that kept them away from the simplicity of the gospel. In fact, he asked them, who's bewitched you? Who's cast a spell on you? And he noticed something, and he uses a natural example of somebody who should have known better. And that somebody was the great apostle Peter. Galatians chapter 2, verse number 11 through verse number, uh, we're going to read down through verse number 14. Galatians chapter 2, verse number 11, it says, now when Peter had come to Antioch, now Antioch was the first place that they were called Christians, but Antioch was a church of Gentiles. And Paul and Barnabas, who were Jews, went up to Antioch to go and to be a part of this church and to teach them the way of the Lord, but not the way of the law, the way of the Lord, okay? And it says, when Peter, the great apostle, the, one of the pillars of the church in Jerusalem, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. Verse 12, for before certain men came from James, James was another one of the pillars. He was probably the pastor at Jerusalem. So before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. That'd be like somebody who's a white man eating at the black table over there, right? And then all of a sudden, somebody comes over from the white church, and all of a sudden, he's no longer sitting at the black table anymore. He's only sitting at the white church table. It's essentially what we're talking about, guys. There was prejudice. There was racism going on. And Peter didn't even realize it, but he regarded these men because they came from Jerusalem. And he realized, oh, they're not going to like this. And so he regarded these men rather than regarding what the Lord says. Goes on and says, verse 13, and the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him so that even Barnabas, I love how he says this, even Barnabas, Barnabas, the son of encouragement, Barnabas, my bro, Barnabas, the one that was ride or die with me when we'd go on missions trips together. This guy, everybody, he was encouraging everybody. This guy was discouraging people by getting involved in this hypocrisy. So that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. Verse 14, but when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel. Did you notice it right there? What are we talking about? Preaching the gospel, right? That, that we need to spread the gospel. That as believers, what can we as Christians do about racism? Well, we can spread the gospel. But when we aren't straightforward about the truth of the gospel, we'll end up in hypocrisy. It's not helping, guys. When we're straightforward about the gospel, the good news, our lives will reflect it. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them also, he confronts them face to face in front of everybody. How would you like to have a friend like that, right? We've got all these people these days. You need to, you need to praise in public. You need to correct in private, right? Paul says, nah, let's go talk, Peter. Right in the middle of the mess hall, we're going to have a conversation about what's going on here. He says, before them all, if you being a Jew live in the manner of the Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? He reasons with them. He says, what you're doing is wrong. Why would you want them to be like the Gentiles if you're not going to live like the Jews themselves? You have freedom in Christ now. And in the same way, why would we as Christians want to live like the world? And then compel the world to live like Christians. They're going to see right through that. It's hypocrisy. We don't need to be influenced by the world in these matters. We need to influence the world 
in these matters. Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, we still live in these flesh bodies with whatever color pigment of skin God gave us. And thank God for that, right? But he says, I live it by what? By faith. I don't live by the flesh any longer. I don't identify with those old titles anymore. This is not a white man speaking to you any longer. This is a born-again man in the kingdom of God speaking to you today. And I've heard people say, well, if you don't see my color, then you don't see me. Guys, in the flesh, in the natural, I already saw it. And it didn't bug me. And I'm not concerned about that. I don't judge you. The Bible says we judge no man according to the flesh. We judge them according to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's how we judge people, is through Jesus Christ. Life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. Today, it's no different. It's the gospel that will bring people together. What can we as Christians do about racism? We can pray. We can do more than pray until we've prayed. But until we've prayed, we can do no more. Second thing we can do is we can live our faith. We can live those things that we know and that we've believed. We can live a life of love. We can call good, good, and we can call evil, evil. We can train our children and impact future generations. And finally, we can spread the gospel because the gospel alone has the power to save. That's what we as Christians can do about racism. I just want to take a moment of prayer with you guys. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes online, wherever you're watching from, come on, would you pray with us right now? Don't log out yet. God still wants to do something in your life. Maybe there's been a chord struck in your heart as the word of God has gone forth. Maybe attitudes or ungodly things have been brought up. Maybe this pastor preached on this message was like nails on a chalkboard to your soul. And you realize, God, what is that in me? It could be that you need to repent of some things, some attitudes, some ungodly expressions. Maybe it hasn't come out of your life. Maybe it's been internal in your thought life. You've thought things of others, criticized, judged internally, and you know that that's not pleasing to God. Let's just take a quiet moment for a second and just deal with God about that. If you need to repent, repent. Maybe in the presence of God tonight, you realized, I'm a racist. I need to bring this to God. Just take a moment with God right now and ask him to forgive you. Ask him to heal you of that, to deliver you of that, and to help you in the future to change by the power of his Holy Spirit. Because the good news is, is that in the natural, we couldn't change a thing. But in the spirit, God can change everything. Our minds can be renewed according to the word of God. And as our minds are renewed, our actions will be renewed. Would you take a moment and just think about her? Maybe you want to turn this into a prayer and ask God, what is God speaking to me?
What is God speaking to you? Come on, online, don't, don't tune out. What's God speaking to you? Wherever you're at right now, think about that. Pray about that. Ask God and he'll reveal it to you. Could it be that you're called to be the next Corey Ten Boom? The next William Wilberforce? The next Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.? What's God speaking to you? Is God asking you to do something specific? Maybe you're called to education or politics. Could be that God has you to be a networker. Is there a specific call, plan that God has? What's God speaking to you right now? Maybe God's asking you to pray. Set some time aside and pray for our nation. Pray for people who bug you. To pray for your enemy. God might be calling you to love. God speaking to you? Is he speaking to you parents about training up your children? Raising them in the way of the Lord? What is God speaking to you? If you just want to take a moment and commit that to a note, if you haven't already, write it down. I know if I don't write stuff down, I'll forget it. Come on online. Got a pen and paper. Maybe you got your mobile device. You want to type that into a note. Put it on your computer. If you're here with a faithful friend or maybe you're with your family, you feel comfortable sharing that with them, why don't you just share that with them right now? Maybe show them the note. Some of you guys online, maybe you want to text that in the, the comments. Put that text there. Maybe God spoke a scripture to you or a word, encouragement, faith, something like that. You just want to put that out there. It's a symbol of accountability as well to get into the community of faith, the family of God that can be with you and encourage you. If there's a goal, put a goal on it, maybe a time frame. Whatever you need to do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we're grateful for your word tonight, God. Thank you, God, that it causes change in each and every one of us. Those ungodly attitudes and things that are in our flesh, God, we just submit them to you. We repent. We turn from them. We turn and go your way, God. We do not judge according to the flesh, God. We judge according to what your spirit says. We judge no man according to the flesh, but according to Christ. We thank you, Father God, that together, this family of faith, this family of believers, God, that we can do something about racism. Father, we thank you that the gospel will go forward. Save souls now, we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.